0: And uh, if you've been around Arena Church for any length of time, you'll know that we seek to uh, do these series with some sense of intentionality. We've realized that just to turn up every week, and for the preacher to be desperate at 12 o'clock the previous night, not praying for the golf, but praying for a message, Chris, Josh, and (laughs) if you like your golf, you better be on your knees this afternoon, I'm telling you. But but we realized that that didn't work. there was a friend of ours that came to see us some time ago, and she says, our pastor, has this approach to ministry, uh, he goes down to the church every Saturday night and waits on God for a word. I says, let me tell you what's happening. He's preaching from Genesis to Revelation every week. He's riding his hobby horses, and he's saying the same things in different ways. She says, how did you know that? I says, it's inevitable if that's the way this approach approaching ministry. So the reality is we think about it, we pray about it, Sometimes somebody gets a spark of inspiration and Jesus followers literally came out of a debrief meeting which we have on a regular basis in the life of the church just to make sure that Sunday went well and we're on track for next Sunday. A conversation occurred which created, if I'm honest, some angst, um, some uh, disappointment, some concern regarding a particular situation and we all around the room were almost saying the same thing at the same time about what it really means to be a Jesus follower. And Christian says, that's our next series. And so after the four weeks of honor, and thank you for people that have fed back on that, here we are for the next seven Sunday mornings that will take us through to Remembrance Sunday in November, speaking about what it means to be a Jesus follower. So here's one verse for you from the Bible. If you've not got a Bible, don't worry. It's going to come up on the screen. But it's found in the Good News Book of John in the New Testament in chapter 1. If I can just give a little context for you, Jesus is calling people to himself, disciples. He was doing it then in the flesh, but he's been doing it for 2,000 years by the power of his Holy Spirit ever since. He's calling you, and he's calling me to do something. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip, that Philip, not this Philip, but finding good name though, isn't it? And it's with one L as well. So the Bible really is the inspired word of God. So <laughs> sorry, it's just a pet eight of mine that my name gets about with two L's. I'll move on quickly. But finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Follow me. And really for the next fifteen minutes, that's what we're gonna think about. What it means to follow Jesus. I'm gonna try and just lay a little foundation this morning with a few points. And then over the next few weeks, we'll take an aspect of life in what it means to be followers of Jesus. One of the passions of Marina Church is that we do Sunday to set you up for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. In other words, this is not isolated. This is not something that we do that's removed from our life. This fuels life. And so into your office tomorrow, into your ward on the hospital into your responsibilities as a manager, helping you with those sales targets, doing the school run, all those things that reflect a community of believers. What does it mean to be a Jesus follower? And what a great day to start this message, a day of baptism, where we've heard this morning in different ways and routes, people that have publicly declared their following of Jesus. For those of a particular age, you may remember baptismal services that used to have one song that was sung every time somebody came out of the water. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus. Do you remember it? And by the time you got to about the seventh time, you were so tired of singing it that the, it reflected in the volume. And here's the challenge afresh fresh today. In our day, in our culture, in 2016, in a changing, shifting world that we cannot deny Jesus is still calling people like he called Philip all those years ago to follow him. Now, it might be that you're into social media. I I dip my toes into social media. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on all these, but I'm on Twitter. And Twitter, of course, has followers. You put your name out there and you'll get people following you. And, uh, And they're sort of expressing a little bit of interest in your world. So use Twitter for encouragement. Not to forever vent your angst at what a horrible day you've had. And it's a great tool for communicating positively. We understand a negative aspect to it, but let's do it positively. I understand that there have been people that have been known to try and buy followers. It makes them look better. Sad, really, but it's absolutely true. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus, of course, wasn't in a world of Twitter or Facebook or or, uh, Instagram, or any of the other things. I I was reading an article the other week thinking that Twitter was the only sort of uh, social media uh, expression that worked like that, and found out there was at least seven um, similar to Twitter. So the reality is, it's out there. Jesus didn't live in that world, but the truth was that the Son of God, who we heard this morning, died for us upon the cross, and rose again the third day, and he's alive by the power of His Spirit amongst us today, is still calling people to follow Him. He's not trying to buy those followers. He's not insecure. He doesn't need people to pitch up and say, all right, then I better follow you. But the very fact of who Jesus is, is still drawing thousands and thousands of people to Himself. What does following mean? Following means to go after a person or to follow in a pathway, both applicable to living out the Christian life. And in John 10, 27, Jesus described us as sheep. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I follow him. You've heard people this morning talking about how God spoke to their hearts. It wasn't a audible voice, but it 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 was definitely the Lord. It was the shepherd of the flock, wooing people to himself, saying, you're straying. You're doing your own thing. You won't give yourself to me, but if you'll give yourself to me, I will bless you. They've heard that voice, and they followed. So we believe. We give our lives to Jesus Christ. We ask him to forgive us of the things we've done wrong and give us a new start. And this works out, if there is such a word, I'm going to use it, in followership. The reality of our salvation, a decision, a belief, is then expressed in a constant Committed following of Christ and his ways. This is a journey, this is a lifetime journey. We have people in the church today that have been Christians for 20, 30, 40 years, and they are still committing themselves to walking in the ways of Jesus, still hearing his voice, still allowing him to correct them, and lead them, and use them. And there's nothing like it. The reality is that the Christian life is not always an easy walk. But we wouldn't be without it. One of the great anthem songs of our church in recent times is, I've decided to follow Jesus, and there's no turning back. So briefly, in the time we've got left, let me just give you four things about what it means to be a Jesus follower. Number one, a personal challenge. People have responded to uh, great good news calls around the earth, often in their hundreds and thousands. Billy Graham, who is now... Uh, Certainly the finest evangelist, the preacher of the good news of Jesus in the 20th century, often uh, used to go to nations, came to our own nation in the 80s, Mission England, hired football stadiums. And at the end of the uh, message, there would be an invitation for people to respond. Hundreds would go forward. But here's the truth. Jesus was dealing with everybody in an individual way. The truth is that this morning, we love to gather together. There is something about gathering. But the Lord wants to deal with every one of us individually. It's a cliche, but like most cliches, it's true. If you had been the only person that needed saving, God would have sent Jesus to the earth just for you. A personal challenge. And the scope of the challenge is that whosoever will may come. Just think about Jesus' 12 disciples for a moment. There were fishermen. There was a tax official, no doubt trying to get tax off to the fishermen who didn't want to pay him. There was a political activist. There was a doubter. There was a betrayer. There were Judeans and Galileans. There was north and south. It was a micro type of God's heart for his macro plan. And that includes you and me. You may be sat there this morning as a bloke saying. Well, I've come along, I've come under duress, I'm normally reading the paper. What time is it going to finish? But the reality is, I'm not the religious type. We don't want you to be religious. We want you to find relationship. This church is not about religion. It's about relationship. We want you to find your destiny and purpose in life. And so it's for you. And then the substance of the challenge is that we we follow Jesus. We take up our cross and deny Him. Not a literal cross, but as you've heard this morning... People on the route to baptism on occasions live selfishly and shallow, self-absorbed lives. But now they've come to a place of love and service and obedience. And it's great to see. And then what about, as Jesus follows, not only the personal challenge, but the pathway to walk. You see, the gospel is not just a doorway. It is that. Jesus says, I am the door or the gate. But it is also a pathway, there is a start, there's an entry point, but then there's a continuance of life. And Jesus exampled this in his particular life. He lived a life of submission. The Bible says of Jesus that he says, I seek not to please myself, but to please the one who sent me. If you go downstairs afterwards, you'll see a quote by General William Booth. 150 years ago, Uh, William Booth became the founder of the Salvation Army. Many people think he was a Londoner because he started his mission in London. But actually, Booth is a son of the city just down the road there in Nottingham. And uh, there's a museum to his honor, even to these days. Booth began to reach out to people that didn't seemingly uh, uh, want to sort of go to what we would call other churches. And uh, God used him in an amazing way. After 30 years of the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army was in 55 nations. How many of you know that's apostolic? And somebody said uh, that this was just an amazing move, move. And Booth reflected his pathway like this. He says there was a time when God had all that there was of William Booth. You heard it in Marie's story this morning. That there was a time when she gave a little bit to Jesus but a time came when she fully submitted her life to him and the rest moved on from that. And then there's a the thought of surrender. You've seen that classic line in the cop do- uh, 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 drama where uh, they, they've surrounded the criminals and says on the loud hailer, I want you to come out with your hands held high. In other words, there's, on, there's only one response here, guys. It's Surrender. Now, I'm not asking you to specifically do that this morning, but you may have noticed in our worship time that people raised holy hands to God. What's that about? Well, the Bible says that when we do that, when we raise, lift our holy hands to God, it's an expression of our surrender to Him. Sometimes people kneel. Sometimes people stand when others have sat. But this morning, there is a sense in your heart where Jesus is calling for people to come out with your hands held high, and just completely surrender to the purpose of God that sits over your life. There's a principle, thirdly, to live by, and it's simply obedience. Obedience. And uh, it is such a great place to come to as being a Jesus follower, where we're not at war with Jesus, we're at peace with Him. We're not continually saying no, we're forever saying yes. The old story that some of you may have heard speaks of the little boy, that was being boisterous. And his mum was speaking to two or three friends, and she continually asked him to sit down and be quiet. Any of your mums ever been there with boisterous kids? And uh, he eventually got the message. She'd asked him nice, she'd asked him nice, and then she asked him. Uh, And uh, he sat down. But he cheekily replied to his mum, Mum, he says, I might be sat down on the outside but I'm standing up on the inn. (laughs) I wonder where you are with your spiritual journey this morning. Maybe outwardly, seemingly compliant, but inwardly defiant to the claims of Jesus Christ, the one that loved you and gave himself for you, that sit over your life. If you will give yourself to him, he will bless you in an amazing way. Fourthly, when we become Jesus followers, we find a potential to fulfill. Somebody says that every person is unique, and they really are. And it is given to them that they may unfold and flower. After our Sunday morning service today, we have our third part of growth track. Josh mentioned it in the announcements. And today is about um, discovering your purpose. Know God, find freedom. Discover your purpose. What is the reason for that? So that you can make a difference. You may be saying, I can't make a difference. You can make a difference. You may never stand on a platform. You may never sing in a worship band. But you can make a difference. How many times has the teacher bemoaned over the pupil, the coach over the player, the employer over the employee? These. Sad words, unfulfilled potential. Jesus wants you to get to where you need to get to. Unfulfilled potential is that people don't get to where they could have been. In Luke 18, in the Bible, there's a young man that comes to Jesus with wealth. He says, Jesus, I've been religious. I've kept all the things that you said I'm supposed to keep. He says, but I really want to know how I can inherit eternal life. Now, in this instance, Jesus saw that riches was his God. And so he says, well, if you'll deal with that, then you can come and follow me. And the Bible tells us that the man went away sad because he had great wealth, unfulfilled potential. Back to the disciples as we come to a close. If you read between the lines in the Gospels, you realize that they must have drove Jesus crazy on occasions. But patiently, teaching and encouraging, he continued to stay with them. Why? Because he drew out of them the potential that was in. And after he died and rose again and gone back to the right hand of God, the place of authority in heaven, he poured out his Spirit into the earth. And the first people that he poured out his spirit on were these disciples, and he said of them that they turned the world upside down. Baptism. Today, in a moment, we're going to baptise the six people following those wonderful stories. There's nothing magic in the tank. As you see, it's not ornate, it's it's arena. But where we read of baptism in the New Testament, we read about much water. The word uh, "baptizo" so in the original language of the New Testament, literally means to submerge. And as you've heard this morning, we believe that baptism is for believers, people that have made a confession of Jesus Christ as their Lord and want to take the next step by publicly declaring that they want to follow him. If you've never done that as a believer, we encourage you to do it. Something's going to happen today that's going to increasingly release the potential that's pent up in these people's hearts, and God's going to use them in an amazing, amazing way. So, what are you following? We can follow trends. We can follow fashions. As you see, I don't. It can be rather expensive. We can follow teams. Painful at times. We can follow philosophies. We can follow religion. It's not going to get us anywhere. Jesus said this morning, put your name there. What's your name? Jesus says. He said to me, oh, I'm a Philip. Philip, follow me. I'm so glad I heard that. The reality is that my life, as many of you know, was so rooted in ordinariness that it's only God that could give me the privilege this morning of being able to speak on the pulpit of Arena Church to a wonderful group of people and say, what I did all those years ago, you can do too. And he can use you in a way that's beyond thought or imagination. Jesus followers, a personal challenge, you respond to it this morning. A pathway to walk. And as you start it, God will help you to keep going. A principle to live by, not at odds with him, but receiving what he's going to say and obeying it and a potential to fulfill, that you can make a difference. Follow me.